for anything to be sustainable, it's got to be enjoyable. And that's how I've always looked at health. I'm Angelica Bell. Welcome to the show. Now, whether you're an aspiring startup, a savvy small business or leading an established enterprise, we'll aim to bring you inspiring stories and fresh knowledge to help you grow with confidence. Join me as I talk to inspiring entrepreneurs and leaders, finding out how they've overcome obstacles and also grabbed opportunities to grow a thriving business. You can also catch Holly Mackay and Ashita Cabra-Davies on our extra show as they talk about trending issues faced by businesses everywhere. Well, joining me today is Ella Mills, the founder and brand director of Deliciously Ella, the plant-based nutrition and wellness brand. Ella will be talking about how sustainability became part of her business journey. Today, Deliciously Ella's green credentials have only helped the business to grow as a brand with restaurants and best-selling books now part of its offering. Ella is here to share her experience and insights that could help you make your own business more sustainable. Ella, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Thank you very much. Let's go from the start. Tell us a bit about your upbringing, who you are, the essence of you. Oh, what a question to start the show with. Well, first (laughs) of all, thank you for having me. Um, Wow, it's so interesting because if I think about who I am today and my upbringing, the two seem so fundamentally different. It's almost hard to kind of understand that it's the same person. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good thing, I think, isn't it? I think so, 100%. I guess it's just quite unexpected. Um, I think a lot of business... um, leaders and thinkers and founders you feel like they could have they've always been entrepreneurs you know it's in their blood it's in their dna and my husband who is definitely my co-founder he's absolutely like that you know he's had ideas his whole life and always does and i absolutely wasn't like that i was really unambitious as a child i'm in the middle of four children and i was the one that everyone thought what is ella gonna do with her life you know i never found my thing i didn't have any sense of passion any real sense of purpose any goal I wasn't unhappy, but I, I don't think I really had figured out really who I was, what made me tick and a sense of ownership of that. Um, but Ella, I think lots of people fit in that bracket. I do, do you too. Know, just coast and they're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to be? And then it just ends up ends up working out. A hundred percent. But I, I'm always really keen to stress that I never had this grand plan and I was never that child that started selling this in the playground or had this side hustle doing this or doing that or doing the next thing and when I started Delicious Yella in its like very infancy of just being a recipe website I didn't start it saying I'm going to have this grand plan I'm going to have this big business on the back of this and I say that because I think so many especially women and young women I think that's quite a barrier for entry and founding a business and in really creating your own business because you think, well, well, I don't have that entrepreneurial spirit. I haven't been selling things to my mates for the last decade. So so that's obviously not me. That's not my DNA. I'm not a founder. What is interesting about your story, Ella, is that you were never passionate about cooking and food. No. And then here we are. Exactly. So A, I wasn't ambitious and would never in a million years have seen myself starting my own business. And I hated healthy food. So, I mean, that's what I, <laughs> when I say who I am today is not yeah. who I am, who I was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It is really, really true. Well, let's hear about your story. We're asking all our guests to do this. 60 seconds. So for anyone who doesn't really know, I think if people know about your business, you know, because it's out there, it's successful. But let's sort of put it in 60 seconds from start to finish. You happy with that? I am. It's hard. 
<laughs> you, I think you can do it. I'm actually going to put the timer on. Ready? Go. Okay, so started, I was very, very ill 10 years ago at university, couldn't cook, hated healthy food, medicine didn't work, became interested in diet and lifestyle to change my health. Because I couldn't cook, set it out as a task, started a recipe website, lots of people started looking at it, then started cooking classes, workshops, an app, cookbook, cookbook changed everything, became food products, working with my husband, a restaurant, cafes, and social media became the kind of cornerstone of it all. 26 seconds. Oh my God, I was so nervous about the time that I just like spat it out. <laughs> there's, there's no punishments. I know, you? I'm such a goody two-shoes. I, I, <laughs> I like to do things right. I don't like to be in trouble. I was really scared of going over and being in trouble. <laughs> what is great about your business and what you've explained really clearly is that it was built from your own struggles and your illness, seeking out nutritional and diet alternatives that helped you and then you can impart that knowledge do you think the business would be the same today if you started out rather than 10 years ago and can I say happy 10 year anniversary thank you um thank you very much for the anniversary and no definitely not I think because I guess circling back to what I just said I didn't have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit in me I'm definitely a founder who had their own problem and in solving my problem realized millions of people are the other people had this problem and could I help solve it for them too? Um, and the passion drove the business as opposed to a kind of seeing a white space opportunity and running after that. Um, but now, you know, when I first started Delicious Yellow 10 years ago, the plant, plant-based as a term didn't even exist. The space, I think, was the kind of penetration into the plant-based market was something like 3% of the of UK households, absolutely minuscule. It's now almost 50% wow. 10 years later. Yeah. Um, it's just been this kind of absolutely extraordinary trajectory of people rethinking the way that they eat. But the reason that I started writing recipes on deliciousyellow.com was because I couldn't find the recipes I was looking for. I realised there was such incredible power in diet, in nutrition, in lifestyle, in changing um, and directing our health. But I, as much as I could find the information to tell me why that was the case, I couldn't then find the resources to act on it. What was I actually going to do all day, every day? What was I going to eat? How was I going to live? And because I couldn't find those resources, I said, well, I've got to do it myself. Hence starting the website. And as I said, then suddenly realised, you know, over the next few years, I had 130 million hits. There were lots of other people with the same problem. But now plant-based is everywhere. I mean, I arrived at the studio today, you get an oat milk latte. That wasn't going to happen 10 years ago. It is so easy now to be plant-based. There are plant-based recipes everywhere. And yeah, there's special places you can come to like us, for example, but also all the BBC Good Foods, all the traditional outlets, jamieoliver.com, that all absolutely caters to it as well. So I don't think I, I would have never felt the need to start it mm-hmm. today. Yeah. And also, I think because you were trying to find solutions for your own health that was your driving force as well. Um, but then I'm assuming that, you know, having this plant-based lifestyles has driven you ultimately to think about well-being and sustainability going hand in hand. For sure. And it's really interesting the word sustainability as well, because I see sustainability as such an all-encompassing term. I think it refers to the most traditional sense of sustainability in terms of planetary well-being. But I think it goes so much beyond that into our own well-being. Um, and and much further afield. But I, the first thing I said to myself, and it was kind of the absolute foundational part of the deliciousyella.com about us, about me, 
was for anything to be sustainable, it's got to be enjoyable. And that's how I've always looked at health, Mm -hmm. which is that, you know, there's so many fads out there. There are so many diets out there and they're not sustainable. They don't last. They don't actually sustain good health for decades because they last about three days and then you're done. I mean, even asking for oatmeal, I was scared like, you know, five years ago. Now Mm. I'm like, yeah, can I have, you know, even if I don't have to be dairy intolerant, I just fancy it. Exactly. No big deal. So plant-based food wasn't really a thing then. And neither was sustainability. They both sort of like had this trajectory where, you know, as consumers, we're so conscious about it and we care about it. Has that impacted your business? Yes, absolutely. I think our business certainly was founded on the kind of sustainability of health and of really, you know, which is a fundamental topic that we need to rethink as a nation, but also as a global population. And I think COVID has obviously put a real spotlight onto the challenges we have with the rise in lifestyle related diseases, the economic burden of that and the NHS and so on. But obviously, to be really passionate about personal health, you can't kind of forego the world in which you live. That is the kind of absolute cornerstone of who we are and, and why we're here. And I think people tend to come at a plant based lifestyle for one of three reasons, their own health, planetary health and saving the environment or supporting the kind of improvement of the current degradation of the environment and animal welfare and I think certainly when I started it was really reason one or reason three it was kind of the moral implications of eating animals or it was personal health but we have seen this huge way that people become part of our community because they're moving to a flexitarian or predominantly plant-based or totally plant-based diet for environmental reasons. And that's obviously something that we're acutely aware of and is a real privilege to be able to offer genuine alternatives. Yeah, and no, I can see that. Just quickly, when you first started out, because it wasn't the thing, did you have a lot of opposition with your business? Did people say, mm, not sure? Yes, absolutely. I think kind of personally, when I first started doing it before it was a business, I just friends and family, just there was so many eye rolls. You know, what are you doing? My dad used to say, like, when will Ella get a real job? Um, you know, dad, a, I know, I know. I think he's eating his words yeah. now. But, you know, to be fair, it wasn't traditional route by any stretch of the imagination. You know, my sister was becoming a lawyer. My brother was going into finance. My other sister works in, in supply and strategy. Very traditional roles. And I was like, I'm going to write a food website and I'm going to run an Instagram page and it's all going to go from here. You've taken your business from clicks to bricks, from a website to a restaurant, um, supplying to main retailers, um, big retailers. Did you find yourself quickly learning how to adapt to sustainability to the needs of your audience? I wouldn't say quickly. I feel like um, so actually the kind of sustainability journey has been a really interesting, ever-evolving one and certainly not one that I feel that we have solved or are even close to solving in some ways. We have four different businesses within our business. So we have the traditional media side, which is our our cookbooks, effectively. We have our holistic wellbeing app, which is recipes, exercise, mindfulness, etc., um, which is a subscription-based um, model. And then we have our restaurant and then we have our food products business, which is kind of 70% of the business that goes into Tesco's, Morrison's, Sainsbury's, etc., um, and that, yeah, that's the biggest part of what we do. And each one is is so different from a sustainability angle. So, you know, from the restaurant perspective, that's quite straightforward. You know, obviously we're plant-based. We're relatively small. We've got 60 or so covers. And so we're really focused on absolutely no waste or very, very minimal waste, you know, using the carrot tops, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's really achievable within that space. You know, we have almost no takeaways. So 
there's not really a packaging challenge there. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we're plant-based. So um, that makes life a lot easier in terms of sustainability credentials. Um, we also try and be as seasonal as we can. So we're part of the Sustainable Restaurant Association. I feel like we're we're doing a really good job of sustainability there, whereas the food products business is an absolutely kind of ever-evolving journey in terms of how you truly can be... I don't think... I personally am quite passionate about the fact that I think consumer goods businesses are arguably right now with the technology that we have impossible to be fully sustainable and I'm not sure I believe anyone who claims that they are because you're still making something and you're still putting it on a shelf I think we should look at it at the moment on a continuum of how can we be better how can we be how can we do the best job we can with the resources we currently have and keep pushing to make that better and better over the next few years like you said your restaurant you can have more control over that Mm. So when you're supplying to main retailers, do you, have you ever had pressure from them, the stockists, about sustainability or what you're doing? Yeah, they're all, you know, I'm not just saying this, they are all really focused on it. It's absolutely front and centre for, I think, you know, any business that we work with, whether that is the really large kind of big four grocers or whether that's smaller suppliers that we work with, I think, I think you'd be hard pressed almost to find, especially a kind of brand and consumer facing company that hasn't got that top of their or close to the top of their agenda at the moment. But I think there's also an understanding within industry of like what is actually feasible and what's not. And I think there is a kind of greenwashing element to a lot of things, for example, like compostable materials so many compostable materials in theory are compostable but they're only compostable if you can get them to a composting plant well we as consumers with our regular rubbish that we put out you know twice a week or whatever your council does that 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 doesn't have the ability to get to a composting facility so if you put it in your bin it's still just going to landfill and if you put it in your recycling it just contaminates recycling and almost none of it is actually compostable in your garden compost um and almost certainly at that point, it wouldn't necessarily be food safe. You know, magazine wrappers as well. So for you, Ella, you have to keep that relationship with the conscious consumer. And transparency is key, but it's a continuing conversation for them to still trust your business. Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. And I know there'll be people that are kind of disappointed along the way. We've tried other materials um, again, you know, things that say, oh, they're recyclable, but they're only recyclable in, you know, three supermarkets in the country that take that category of recycling as opposed to actually being household recyclable for every council in the country. And again, I think for me, that is the frustration because it's then just contaminating the recycling system and it is 100 percent lying to the consumer um, and it misleading the consumer. And so, yeah, as a company, we're really passionate about that. But we did find two years ago, 18 months ago. A material that would have been for um, snacking products, 100% actual household recyclable in all households in the country. And we were the first snacking brand to bring that to market. And we had to retract that because, again, it just wasn't food safe enough. We were having way too much wastage, products not lasting their shelf life. And that was creating kind of fundamental problems. And I think being willing to try it is really important. But I think as anything in a business, I think you've got to be willing to admit when it's not quite right and that's not as soon as there's another solution we're the first people that want to take it and we're willing to take that risk which some bigger companies wouldn't be able to do you know they would have done several years of shelf life testing before they get that and I think that again speaks to my point of as consumers we want the answers today 
but we need the breakthroughs. We need the multi-billion dollar investments in packaging, in infrastructure. And that's just not something that's going to happen in a matter of seconds. And so I think as consumers, we also have to look at what can we do as individuals today to improve our sustainability as opposed to kind of expecting the macro questions to be answered immediately because I I don't want to be kind of concede to what is such a fundamental problem. We need to solve it, but I just think we also have to be realistic about timelines. Well, Ella, when tackling sustainability, your brand has a unique approach. And on your website, uh, you say, we're not an engineering company and can't create the solutions ourselves, but we'll be the first adopter whenever more sustainable materials become commercially available, like you said. Is this something you'd encourage every business to start adopting now? Absolutely. And I think that's a kind of an easy thing to do. And I think the reason that we have that on our website, again, is just coming back to that point of transparency, right? I think because we are a well-being business, because we are, you know, relatively young and representative of the kind of more conscious consumer, perhaps in some cases, I think there's an expectation that we will have the solutions. And I think, again, it's just that transparency, isn't it? Like, you know, we are relatively small compared to the absolutely humongous conglomerates that exist. And actually, those conglomerates that sometimes we can be quite critical of, they are the ones who are going to have the packaging breakthroughs. They are going to lead the way in sustainability because they have the budgets, they have the people, they have the facilities to actually engineer those breakthroughs. And then we, as smaller companies, can absolutely run with that as soon as it's available. But I think that is the point, isn't it? It's currently not available. So what could a small business owner do tomorrow to help their business be more sustainable? What little things would you advise? I'm not sure if you can generalise it in such a way because it it's so fundamentally dependent on what you do as a business and, and who you are. You know, yes, there's small things, you know, could, you know, if you provide lunch, can you do meat-free Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays? Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it's, it's so fundamentally dependent on who you are as a company, what you make, what you do, what your goods and services are and what's actually available for you at that point but I I just think the more we can have these conversations to be transparent about where we should go where the problems are but also where we are today I think that's really really important because I think there is an education piece in that as well what do you want for your business moving for the next 10 years then I mean I think in 10 years time the world's just going to look so 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 different I think that we'll have so many of the solutions that we want to have. I think the packaging will look so fundamentally different. I think recycling, I hope, will look so fundamentally different. I'd be amazed if we didn't have, for example, access to proper composting facilities as part of recycling, etc. And I think it's, it's not to concede, but I do think we have to kind of slightly patiently wait a tiny bit. You know, if we were going to have composting, for example, available just as we have recycling and just as we have traditional waste, that's going to be a massive government rethink. And again, that coming on the back of COVID and making, again, multi-billion dollar, multi-billion pound investments. Right now, it's really difficult. So what you're saying is literally Ella will just adapt, move with it as things come up. You know, you'll take it on board and research yourself and see what's right for you and your business. Exactly. And I think, you know, for us, the fact that we're providing plant-based solutions is something that we're really passionate about. As I said, we know that that's an absolutely essential part of mitigating climate change, of supporting sustainability. And the more we're able to do that, the more we're able to offer consumers a genuine choice um, and different options without them feeling like that's a compromise, then 
I feel like we can be really, really proud of what we're doing. So we will watch this space for the next 10 years. What's been your proudest entrepreneurial moment thus far? Gosh, it's so hard to choose one thing. Um, in some ways, it's so hard to choose one thing because the last few years have felt like such a blur. But um, there's also just been so many unbelievable moments. I think my proud, honestly, my proudest thing is how we've kind of pulled through, pulled through a huge number of challenges, a huge number of obstacles. Anyone who's started a business or been part of the early stages of any business knows that you are just faced with challenge after challenge after challenge. I mean, it feels like day after day you're just putting out fires and trying to find solutions wherever you can. And I think keeping going through that is probably almost my proudest thing. And and I could think, you know, often that coincides with big personal challenge. You know, one of our most difficult years professionally was also the year that my mother-in-law was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and passed away that year. And I think, you know what, if I look at that, I'm so proud of my husband for managing to keep going, to keep a team together, to keep the business going when you're going through your biggest personal challenge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because obviously on the face of it, we see the products, we see the things on the shelves, but at the end of the day, you're human and you're going through your life challenges as well. For sure. And I think that's one of the interesting things. I don't think any entrepreneur, any founder, any anyone in any business has a linear journey. Um, I'm sure if they do, they are the absolute minority because I think the vast majority of people, it's very bumpy and you, you do have your ups, but my goodness, you've got your downs as well. And I think because the world in a way feels so transparent now it feels like you know everything about everyone you almost feel like nothing bad is happening but the reality is you know certainly for us we obviously do have quite public facing business we've got about three million people as part of our social media communities but you you know you can't talk about those problems that they're happening um you know because your suppliers can't know the retailers can't know your team members can't know you know you've got to solve the problem those those aren't moments to be broadcasted to the world. Well, thank you so much for joining me and thank you to our amazing guest, Ella Mills, for this episode. Next week, join Holly and Ashita on our extra show as they discuss sizing and seizing sustainability business opportunities. And if today's episode has inspired you, head to our website to find out more insights and potential solutions that could help you take action today. Until next time. 